Welcome back to Off the Cuff with your boy Danny Lopriori. I'm gonna read your DMs, baby. Hope you slid in my DMs, yeah. Baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Off the cuff, bitch. Off the cuff. Talk about head stuff. What? Sorry. I don't know what's going on with me today. <laughs> hey, guys. So I usually have a black uh, backdrop, and uh, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, off the jump. Uh, the jump. Off the jump. Uh, off the cuff. Off the jump. It. The command strips won't fucking hold. Okay? So I've been trying for about three hours to get this fucking thing to stay up there, and it won't fucking stay up. And plus, I've been having all these dreams where extras from Peaky Blinders come to my house and try to kill me. So I've been fighting fucking Irish thugs in my dreams. And now I'm trying to set this fucking thing up. And it keeps falling down and it's driving me fucking Bananas Foster over here. <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, listen. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest on this week, Nick Coletti. Uh, but some scheduling conflicts came up. That's what they call in the business. Uh, you know, but uh, Nick, I love you, bud. We'll see you next week here on Off the Cuff. Uh, so I had to call an audible. And the audible that I thought would be the best is I want to talk to the viewers of the show. I want to hear your questions, answer them the best that I can. But I do need to uh, give a little disclaimer here. I am not a mental health professional. Uh, as you can see from the disclaimer before the video, if you feel as if you are having, you know, suicidal thoughts, please make sure, um, to call that hotline. And if it, in any case of an emergency, please call 911. Um, you know, now that all the legalities are out of the way, let's hop in to these questions. Um, but you know what, before I get into the questions, I, I, I want to talk more about these Peaky Blinders dreams that I'm having. Uh, I've been eating these chocolate uh, protein bars before bed, so I'm trying to have, like, healthy snacks instead of ordering, like, you know, a double Whopper with cheese uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning. So uh, I've been having these bars, and uh, these bars are fantastic. They taste so good. But I eat them, and then I go to sleep, and then I have all of these dreams. The last three nights I've had these bars. This is six. This is three. Uh, I've had these bars, and every night that I've had one of these chocolatey, delicious peanut butter, crunchy crunch bars from Costco. I've had a dream where I've had to defend myself with household items, uh, and kill many extras from Peaky Blinders. And I don't know why they're coming after me. Um, and I don't know why does chocolate give you bad dreams. I feel like I've heard that somewhere, but, uh, I don't know what this shit freaking me out. So like, all right. So the dreams always start where I'm in the top floor of my house and these people come after me, and they're all like, hey, mate, I'm going to fucking kill you, aren't And I'm just like, oh, God, calm down. And then they're like, no, mate, you disrespected something, so and so. And I'm like, okay, but why are you doing this to me right now? What is happening? What did I do? And they're like, don't matter what you did. And they try to hit me with this shit uh, like a machete. The same guy has tried to kill me with this machete three nights in a row. So I fucking dodge and whiff that shit. So I whiff that shit, and... He kind of, he comes at me again, and I do like the the double arm like DX block. I'm like, yeah, and I'm fighting him off, and I fucking Leonidas kick him down the stairs. So I'm like, all right, I got this guy done. Uh, I had to write this down though, by the way, for cause, like I wrote it down as soon as I woke up, so I wouldn't forget it. So I kick him down the stairs. He's like, oh my, oh god damn, mate. falls back. Um. Hits the bottom, stops moving. I'm like, all right, he's done. I can go back to, like, sleep. In my dream, I'm sleeping. And these people burst into my room. So I lay down in bed, and I hear, like, charging up the stairs. But I have, like, this, like, fireman's pole in my house. My house is fire in my dreams. I'm fucking paid out in my dreams. Um, so I'm just like, yo, uh, listen, I'm going to go down here. And I get to this basement, right? I get to this basement, and I'm in my basement. And for some reason, like, either me and Macaulay Culkin met on a train one day and just became good friends, and he told me how to protect myself, or I was, like, the second runner-up for Home Alone when I was a kid. Why did it sound like I was just about to cry? Um, but I have, like, this shit booby trap, like, electrical fucking handrails and shit. 
So all these more Australian Irish like Peaky Blinders guys come after me and I can hear them. He's like, he's not up there. Come down here. So I'm like, fuck. All right. They know they slid down my pole. Uh, so one of them goes to slide down my pole and it electrocutes him. I'm like Batman. So it's just like, Brr. he's like, ah, oh, shit, my falls down. It's cranky. And he hits the ground. So I beat this dude to death. This is my dream. I'm a fucking vigilante or like somebody, I owe somebody money or something. So he's done. Now I got two dead Peaky Blinder extra Irish Australian guys dead. Okay. Another one makes it down the pole. And we have one of those standoff matches with a knife. Like uh, like in the Beat It video. When like they're holding hands like. And they're like trying to stab each other and shit. But like they're dancing at the same time. That's like what that was. And I stab him. And I do like the stereotypical when you stab somebody, you tell them like to like shush at the same time. So it's like, he's like, oh, mate, Kyle. And so I hit him and he's like, mate. And I'm just like, shh, shh, Like cover his mouth and he's like dead. And then I wipe his blood off on my shirt in the dream. Yeah, I'm a fucking badass, bro. Dream Dan is fucking slaps. So they're just like, hey, somebody else is down there. So. I set up this rig. Long story short, I get to like this big, fat, round, Gangs of New York extra Peaky Blinder star fucking looking motherfucker. And we have a battle. Like, blows. Like, we're coming to blows. And you know in dreams where you hit people, it feels like you're hitting them with like a, like a cotton ball. It's like, yeah. So I'm hitting them. Bow, bow. I hit him again. Bow. Crushing this dude, but I can't land something clean because I'm in my dreams. And my dreams are all, like, I'm, I'm weak for some reason. Like, I could stab hard, but I can't punch hard. Uh, this is a great rant, by the way. Um, but this guy gets on top of me, right? And, like, my girlfriend saves me from this dude. And she killed him. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I'm, like, all out of breath and shit. And, like, I grab, like, the bat that she had, like, when she was done. And I, like, finished him off. And then I woke up. I don't know what the fuck that dream means. Are you, like, they say dreams mean stuff. I'm a firm believer that dreams are just dreams. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't it doesn't really reflect anything. I'm sure there's a lot of signs backing up that dreams are, like, you know, fire and shit. And, like, they tell you everything, but... I don't know if it's like my self-conscious trying to tell me to be like less paranoid in my life or like that I need to write the best action movie of all time is what I'm trying to get at here. So that's the dilemma I've been dealing with. But uh, listen, I know you guys love my rants, but let's get into your questions. Uh, Again, I am not a mental health professional. I'm just a dude with some stuff. So I'm here to uh, answer some questions. Any questions that you got? Here we go. This I'm only going to say the first names, too, because if I feel like if I say more uh, than that, like people are weird and the Internet's weird and people will find each other and, and it's it's weird. Then you'll start having dreams like me. Uh, but this is from Sam. Hey, Danny, I admire your humor and advocacy. My question is, how do you deal with your social anxiety, overthinking and being in your own head about making good impressions, saying the right things? It's always a challenge, either opening up too much or not enough. Your thoughts? Thanks. Hey, Sam. So I do deal with social anxiety, and I will tell you how I deal with the social anxiety. I deal with social anxiety by pretty much acting out. Um, that's where, like, my my cue zone is. You know, uh, for me, like, if I get in a situation where I feel that I'm outnumbered or I'm in a socially distanced area in terms of not not COVID, but like in terms of, I don't know everybody there. Uh, I have to make an impression on the room and I do light up every room that I'm in with my personality, but instead of it being like a part of it is my actual personality, but I overthink so much that if I get these people to laugh, that means they like me, you know? So I, I spend a lot of time doing that. So and then I'm also at a party. I'm overthinking everything, like everyone's backgrounds, like who knows this person? How do they know each other? So I'm constantly paranoid. It's just one of those things that I deal with. But what I tend to do to try and get out of that is I use this grounding method where um, 
you know, I literally get in touch with all of my senses, all of them. It's very weird. Spider-Man-ish. But I get in, like, the sense of grounding, and I tell myself where I'm at. I tell myself where I'm... Why I'm here, uh, I tell myself that everything's going to be okay. I've done this before, and I'm perfectly pleasant to be around when, I, when I'm when i just myself. Um, you know, it's hard for people to have conversations when you're feeling social anxiety, especially around a bunch of people. Um, but my advice for you is to try to make sure that you have the grasp on what you're saying, a grasp on what you're doing. But also just a grasp on say, list telling yourself, listen, I'm okay. All right? No one's an immediate threat to me. Everything's all right. I can handle any situation that's going to happen, and I try to move on from there. So that's my advice in terms of that. But I'm a classic overthinker myself. Great question. All right, let's go to the next one. Sierra is her name. Hey, Danny, saw your post, and I thought I'd ask a question. Well, that's hot. Um, so I know a lot of people who suffer with anxiety, including myself, struggle with intrusive thoughts. I was wondering if you've ever suffered with them and do you, man, how do you manage to cope with them? Um, I do have intrusive thoughts. Uh, I have thoughts that will enter my head and they will change my mood. Um, they will make me, I will be so happy one second and then it will enter my head and then I can't get that out of my head and I have to punish whoever is next to me because I'm insecure. Um, So when stuff like that happens, I have to try and realize the big picture and why these intrusive thoughts are happening. You know, if you train yourself enough to always act the same way when the same thing happens all the time, it's repetition. That's how you are going to continue to act. Um, My advice would be just to try the extreme opposite. Okay. Uh, by extreme opposite, I mean, like, if you get mad in those situations, try to realize that, you know what, I was happy before this. I'm going to stay in that lo- that lane and that zone um, because intrusive thoughts, they hit you any hour of the day. doesn't matter. It takes the smallest thing like that to drive you fucking insane. But, um, yeah, so I just try to implement that. Is this worth fighting for? Is this worth fighting over? Is this worth making it bigger than it really is? Because, listen, we have something like, what, like 100,000 thoughts a day? Don't quote me on that. Um, If you give power to one, you're going to give power to some bars. Um, You know, and this is something I still struggle with to this day. So I try to just keep my head in the right areas when those intrusive thoughts come, because a lot of the times they're bullshit. They're not true. It's just, it's nonsense. Um, but you know, that's where I stand on that. Great question, Sierra. Thank you for asking me. Here we go. This is from Liam. Liam, sorry if I did a terrible Irish Australian accent before mate. but, uh, it says, Hey Danny, I have a question. Uh, what helped you get through your darkest place? What helped me get through my darkest place was I had to check myself into therapy and spend that time there because a lot of the times we project our stuff onto other people and we worry about other people's issues instead of our own. Uh, I touched on this in the first episode, but I just realized that I really needed to get medical help and what was happening with me was medical. It, It wasn't something... It wasn't something I could tackle with the tools that I had already. So I had to go and learn coping mechanisms. You know, I had to go to extensive therapy, which I'm still in. And a lot of people see this as like, oh, man, like, when is this ever going to end? But if like stuff got a little bit better every day, I was like, I won today. I won. And like you said, darkest, if it got a little bit lighter every other day, I'm like, all right, cool. So when I go back to the dark place, I'm shielded up. I got mad shit that I could use to try and get me out of these situations. But like I said, I still get into these dark places where I can't escape uh, these intrusive fucking thoughts. But I just try to, I had to go equip myself with the best weaponry possible. Okay. But thank you, Liam. Great question. This one is from Mitchell. Mental health DM. Why is it so hard to seek help? Coming from a guy who needs to get help again, it's hard to admit, let alone seek it out. You're my boy. Appreciate what you're doing. Mitchell, you're my boy. Uh, Okay, so a lot of people have this same question. I've seen it a few times in here, so I'm going to tackle it here. 
I was someone who was afraid to get help too because one, I thought people were going to think I'm crazy or people were going to be like, oh, like, you know, your problems aren't that bad or, you know, your situation isn't the worst I've ever heard. And I realized that I had to say, fuck everybody. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, I don't give a shit what this person thinks, what my boss thinks. I was willing to lose my job. I was willing to lose relationships. I was willing to lose fucking friendships. I was willing to lose anything to get myself better because I wasn't going to be the best person I could be if I was going to fucking just sit there and stay with those intrusive thoughts. Stay in the situation where I thought, you know what? This isn't the best thing possible for me. There's a lot of other options here. Um, so in terms of seeking help, I had to go to an extreme and just check myself in. Now, I don't recommend that if you feel that you could just go see a therapist. But for you, you need to understand that you and your mental health are more important than anything else. Because you, at the end of the night, if you're in a relationship, if you're alone, you go to sleep by yourself, man. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our heads while we're alone. So being able to express those things to a mental health professional, that's the one right there. Don't be afraid what your friends are going to say. Don't be afraid what your parents are going to say. Don't be afraid because guess what? On the outside looking in, people are going to think certain things. But on the inside looking inside, you're going to know that something is off and that you need to get help. That's all that matters. Do your thing. Great question, Mitchell. This one is from RJ. Q&A. What's your opinion uh, what, in your opinion, is the reason men are always told to suck it up when it comes to depression, even though sucking it up doesn't work? Uh, because we all fall victim to this macho bravado entertainment hard ass uh, mentality that we're supposed to have because it's generational. So if you go back to the episode that I had my father, generations ago, you were not allowed to be sad. Uh, then it got a little better. Now it's a little bit better, but... There is a stigma with men um, that we have to suck it up or like stop being a girl or uh, stop being a bitch or a pussy, you know, and if you hear that enough, it's going to make you shut down as a person and not want to express yourself. Going back to what Liam asked, um, you're not going to be uh, be able to express yourself the way you want to. Uh, the reason that is, I think, is because a lot of people have insecurities themselves and they deal with them different ways, possibly not even the right ways. So a lot of people project it's a defense mechanism. They deflect, um, you know, what they're feeling onto you. And then honestly, you end up internalizing that and it actually causes you to, um, you know, feel as if maybe, oh, maybe I am just being a bitch or like maybe like I'm, I'm, I am a pussy. It's not the facts. It's just the world that we live in today and has come a long way in the mental health arena. You know, shows like this weren't being done. Um, people weren't as outspoken as we are now. But, you know, there's still that stigma. It's that nature versus nurture type of thing where some people just want to give you hard love, but, you know, they give it to you the wrong way or they think they know what's best for you. And that's okay, but, you know, if you can tell that there's something wrong with the way that you're being, you know, brought along by being called like a pussy or like pick your head up, pick your chin up. Maybe we need to separate ourselves from that kind of influence for a little bit and go see somebody or surround ourselves with people that are going to be a little more positive in your life. Bars. Good question, RJ. Thank you, brother. Uh, let's go. This is from Jordan. Uh, sup my slime. I'd love to hear you talk about getting into therapy and the steps you took to get there. Was it daunting for you to know you were going to have to unpack your life stories to a stranger? And do you feel like that helped you heal? Much love to you, Danny. Can't wait for the episode slat. I don't know what that fucking means. But I hope Slat is cool, like some cool young people shit. I'm 31, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, my, my lingo ain't the best nowadays. You heard? What's poppin', Slat? Uh, just making sure my audio thing is recording. And it is. <laughs> uh, but yes, to get back to your question. 
when I had to go in to get into therapy, um, there was like a situation where like I had to see a couple therapists first and like some of them were really cool. Um, some of them were not so cool. And you know, I honestly, a therapist is like dating. It really is. It's like, you have this first date, you guys sit down, you tell each other about, you know, this is my life and it's one way, but it's like a date. And some people get very turned off to therapy because the therapist that they went to go see was not the right one. I'm telling you, do the due diligence. You know, if it's off, if the vibe is off, dip. Try to find a better uh, therapist. I had to go through like six or seven. That's a lot of fucking people, dude. I've known people that have gone through 20. It's wild. But I'm telling you, this is a situation where... It's honestly, it's like shopping for me. It's like, all right, like, let me figure this out. Like, I want someone that's not a yes man. I'm a, it's like, they should make a Tinder for therapy where you could just swipe through and be like, all right, this guy's got good bedside manner. I'll talk to him. Uh, but yeah, you know, I had to try a bunch of different things to get myself in a position where I'm like, you know what? I feel comfortable with this guy. You know, my health care, my health insurance covers it. You know, that's another thing. It's not cheap to get psychotherapy it's just not um you know and going into this situation i was like i need to find the best fit for me and the guy who is my therapist now is great um dr sosa what up uh but uh you know what i mean so for me it helped me so much to do the due diligence and it honestly the process of finding the right therapist actually helped me heal a lot because it got me to see what kind of therapy works for me. So that's my recommendation, Jordan. See you later, slime. Um, okay, so this one's about toxic traits. Tommy says, my toxic trait is ignoring my phone when my mental health is suffering. What can I do to stop ghosting the whole world when I feel depressed? Tommy, tell him what's going on. Uh, I have a good buddy who does the same thing. I won't hear from him for three days and I'll be worried sick about him. And then, um, he'll get in contact with me and be like, you know, I was just like, you know, going through it or whatever, you know, in those situations, a lot of times when we're sad or depressed and numb and we kind of shut down, not even sad, like we don't feel shit. Uh, we tend to kind of just, uh, collapse into ourselves at that time i think you should let people know what's going on with you because one it will help your relationships with your friends and your family because they'll get a better understanding of you and also it'll help weed out the people that you think would be supportive but they're not so it's going to help you get into a um a rhythm of being able to express yourself because that's the hardest part i can't know what you're going through if you don't tell me you know what i'm saying if i if i can't hear it from you um i don't know so i might come at you the wrong way i might come at you too hot for the streets you know what i mean i might be coming out like yo what's come on yo like come on yo come outside but if you're like hey man listen i'm really going through this now as a friend i have to be there to help you out and vice versa so i would express yourself more when you're going through that fight the ghost fight the ghost this one is from Aaron Reynolds from Nova Scotia. I said his last name. Shit. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, hey, Danny, I don't really have a question for you as much. I just wanted to say thank you for being so fucking hot. And I have respect for the thickest poppy in America. How'd that one get in there? <laughs> I planted that one. I saw that one when I was reading it. And I said, you know what? He's right. For he is right. I am the thickest of the poppies and I am, I'm a, I'm a good looking guy these days, you know, uh, next one is from Lauren. Hey Danny, I know you talked a little bit about your sobriety on the basement yard, but I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about it on off the cuff. How did your mental health and drinking go hand in hand? I know times I've been the most suicidal is when I'm drunk. PS, I already love your podcast and you've always been inspired. Uh, have always inspired me and helped me through my journey with depression and anxiety. Much love and thank you. Hey, Lawrence. So, you know, my thing was with alcohol, here's my, here's my stance on alcohol. Um, 
in excess, it is a problem. Like all things. Um, forming your days around alcohol and like putting yourself in situations where, listen, I can't just have two or three beers. I have to have 10. Uh, I have to get blackout drunk. I can't have a social drink and go home after. That's where in my, in my experience is listen, when I would have to do that, it was like, I had to go all in, you know what I mean? And for me to have to go all in was like, I got to get super drunk. I'll just get fucking wasted. I'll drink 12 beers on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? It's, it's, some people have the ability to call it off. Some people have the ability not to. Uh, I have the ability to call it off for sure. But I had to have learned. I had to learn that I have to be in a better mental state before I can enjoy like alcohol, with my friends. Um, and Joe and I have talked about it. He was like, you know, do you think you'll ever drink again? And I was like, yeah, you know. Um, and it's something that I think if people are drinking to get fucked up. For no reason. That is the real problem. Like you said, would you be drinking and being like, uh, you know, you would be suicidal during those times. It's that's not going to help you. Alcohol is a depressant. You should not be drinking until you handle those things that you're dealing with mentally. Um, you know, and also even with drugs, uh, hardcore drugs, not marijuana, um, I don't want marijuana into that. You know, some people abuse marijuana as well. It's possible to do. Um, you know, they'd rather, you know, I always look at marijuana like this. I'm like, yo, if you smoke weed and handle your business, smoke fucking weed. Get fucking blazed as fuck. But like, if you're supposed to like pick up your kid, but like you're stopping to see the weed man first, like, all right, now we're getting a little crazy. Pick the kid up. You know what I mean? Uh, but like drugs, uh, stay away from all hardcore drugs. There's no need for them. You know, I've had my struggles with those too. Um, that's something that is never going to put you in the right peace of mind. The come downs are terrible. Um, they put you in holes. They literally put you in holes. Um, and for you, it sounds like alcohol isn't the best thing for you right now. Uh, I don't think you have to go to an extreme because I don't know you, but I will say, I don't think you have to go to extreme and stopping drinking forever, but you need to find uh, a situation where you deal with these demons that you're dealing with and stop associating them with alcohol because they do not go well together. Alcohol is a depressant as I repeat, but uh very good question, Lauren. Papa. Uh, this one is a, this is a good one. Uh, this is from V. So a lot of things that I stress also in the first episode of Off the Cuff was seeing our family members go through uh, mental health issues can be one of the hardest things to deal with um, because we're not trained, you know, unless you grow up in a house of doctors and shit, like you're not trained to deal with these things. So seeing someone in your family so distraught and so hurt, um, it could be just as draining as what the other person is going through. So this question's from V. How would you su uh, suggest I help my younger brother? He's 11 years younger. He's a preteen. And he struggles with depression and self-hate. It's so hard because he pushes me and my parents always away. But I won't let him push me away for good. V, um, I think you're doing the right thing in terms of, listen... Preteens a crazy age, you know. I acted out a lot in my preteens. Uh, I was kind of an asshole, you know. Um, and I would push my parents away, and to the point where I felt like I knew everything. Preteens, they kind of tend to do that themselves. They kind of sense have a sense of like oh, the world's shit, and I know it already. It's like some big epiphany for them. My thing is my. The way that I would approach it is I would say, listen, I know what you're going through. I've been there before. But I know that our lives are different. So just tell me, like, what's really bothering you, you know? 
And if that question doesn't land, just chip away with little questions. Don't bombard, you know, keep an eye on them. Uh, tell them your experiences, what you went through, and then to see where you're at in your life now. Um, a lot of times as brothers and sisters, you know, we have to set examples for our, our younger siblings or cousins or whoever. So trying to meet him on his playing field, find something that he likes to do, do that with him. Uh, that'll help possibly get his guard down. Um, but some people, you know, they have to go through it on their own, but just, just knowing that you're there for them is enough for them in that moment. So, you know, don't push it too much. Um, in terms of, you know, don't tell him what he's doing is wrong. You know, try to keep yourself in a situation just to be like, yo, I'm here for you if you need me. That's it. That's how I would handle it. Good question, V. Um, this one is from Linda. Linda says, how do you think we as a community can help our future generations? Oh, by hitting that sub button. <laughs> JK, but serious. Uh, with their mental health for example what can we do to help kids today totally understand mental health um this is a thing this is a problem obviously throughout our country um i just think that mental health isn't stressed enough in schools um you know like we're learning about you know history and quadratic equations and shit and you know, the gym teachers teaching us health class and shit, you know, like it's a mess, you know? So like one, I think in schools, they should be teaching kids how to set up 401ks, retirement plans, how to write checks, how to, you know, invest. Uh, economics should be definitely more stressed in school as much as, you know, having to learn French. Like what the fuck? Um, French is dope Don't get me wrong French is dope Shout out Canada They got my, a lot of love for me France too But um, You know I think those Those things need to be addressed Also in public schools A little bit more Especially in these big schools Where you have these Guidance counselors Who have like 7,000 kids To like go through And uh, they're, they're not They're not equipped enough To take care of those kids And I know people Are going to fall through the cracks But That's not an excuse You know I think if we add a level of realism instead of like saying like, you know, life sucks and then you die. That attitude doesn't help. Um, but I'll tell you this. Um, I don't need to know when the fucking French Revolution was. I just don't. Unless I'm going to go on Jeopardy. Uh, Unless I'm going to go on Jeopardy, then yeah, I need to know about what the French Revolution was. Or if I wanted to be a history major and teach history, yeah. Teach me about the French Revolution. Or you could teach me how I'm not going to be fucking poor 10 years from now. Or put me in the best possible position to not be poor. Bars, dog. Again, these are just my opinions. But yes, they should they should stress mental health more in schools. I think they're starting to do that now um, as more people come out and more people are expressing how they feel in those situations and how it makes them feel throughout their lives outside of school. So I think they're starting to do that. Uh, this one is from Rowan. Uh, what are you, what are some techniques or strategies uh, you use when you're feeling especially anxious or depressed? I have a breathing mechanism that I do to kind of calm my heart down. So I have a uh, health anxiety, which sucks. Like I, I like, I think I'm going to die all the time or like, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a stroke, bro. Like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to have an aneurysm. Like, my 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 chest is going to explode. I'm dying. Um, and you have to have coping mechanisms. So the coping mechanism that I do is I do a breathing coping mechanism where I inhale for five seconds, hold for three, and then try to exhale for five. So I'll go... You know, and if there's any feeling of discomfort when you're breathing, you know, maybe shorten up the inhale, the hold, 
and uh, the exhale, maybe shorten it up a little bit. But that's what I do because it lets my brain focus on the numbers kind of, and it kind of just slows down my heart rate and kind of gets blood to the rest of my body, everywhere else where I need to get to, you know what I'm saying, instead of it all being in my big muscles. You know what I'm saying? Because fight or flight, that's what it is. You know, your fight or flight gets set off and you're ready to pop off or you're ready to dip. That's a cool way of saying your fight or flight. But good question, Rowan. But uh, that and then also I try to listen to guided meditations on YouTube. Um, those help me too. As long as I can get my mind off the actual feeling of my heart going, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm okay. But there's sometimes my heart is be like, that shit will stop. So I'll have like heart palpitations and I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. But that's how I deal with it. Um, this is another one. This is from LJ. How does one find help that actually works for uh, to combat slash stop hypochondria? Um, I, too, am a hypochondriac. Uh, I take a poopy that doesn't look like normal poopy. And I think, oh, my God, there's something wrong with my poopy. Um, I can't breathe i'm like i'm gonna have a collapsed lung I, I just deal with this this is uh a take that i've used and it's very very brutal um but in times where i'm in bed and i feel like i'm sick and i'm going to die i've gotten to this point where i can understand that i'm not going to die but like i verbally have to say it's like all right all right, then I'm going to die. So like the moment I kind of put that into existence, I'm like, all right, like God wants me to go. This is it. Like it's a wrap for me. I try to play this, like this Jedi mind trick on my, uh, on my head to be like, Oh wait, no, he's not afraid anymore. What the fuck? What the fuck is he going on? This motherfucker's tough now. You know what I mean? Uh, I try to do a little Jedi mind trick. That helps me. Because it's just like, you know what? If this is what was in the cards, you know, this is it. It's fine. And then, honestly, my brain, I feel my brain and my body start to calm down. You know what I mean? I'll check my vitals just to be safe uh, from time to time. But I even stopped doing that because that prolongs this horrible, horrible repetition of hypochondria. It's like I've had oximeters that I used all the time. Uh, blood pressure machine that I use all the time. I a stethoscope. I listen to my heart and shit. All of this helped feed my hypochondria. So in those situations, I had to be naked. And like by naked, I mean like I don't need any of this shit right now. My body will really tell me when it's a wrap. And I've had to be able to get through those moments without those tools to really combat it and not, you know, uh, feed into the hypochondria because the more you feed into it, the more it could drive you crazy. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh. Like, plus you're doing this all at home. It's like, if something has a low battery and you're like, Oh my God, my oxygen level's 87. You're going to start tripping. And then your body's like, Oh my God. Or if you have a blood pressure monitor, that's like old, like that shit's going to fuck your shit up. You know what I mean? Um, for example, I took my blood pressure once and it was like 180 over like 140. I thought I was dying. And I went there to the hospital. And my shit was like 120 over 70. Like I was chilling. So there's that's how I combat my hypochondria. Uh, also, like I need my girl sometimes to be like, yo, you're good. And I'm just like, you're right. You're right. Uh, but good question. This one is from Andrew. How do you get out of an anxious episode? In addition to periodic panic attacks, I sometimes get anxious episodes where I feel like the shit, uh, feel like shit for days, sometimes weeks. Not sure if anyone else has a similar issue, but hoping for recommendations on how to get out of the rut as soon as possible. Okay. This is something that I've definitely struggled with. Um, you know, I have periods where I have panic weeks, basically. Where like I just feel off. I do this clicking noise with my throat because I'm very anxious. Um, my recommendations to stop these certain things is there's a book by uh, 
Dr. David Barlow. Let me look it up. I, um, I use this book, David Barlow. One second. This book saved my life, and I'm not even kidding. All right, so there's a book on Amazon by uh, the author's name. I just want to make sure that I get it right. Yes, it's David Barlow. Uh, David H. Barlow. Um, it's called Mastery of Your Anxiety and Panic. It's a workbook. So instead of just reading the book and being like, you know, like, use this, use this, you have to keep a journal. You have to keep, uh, like, you, you rate, like, your anxiety level for the day. Um, you, you, it causes you to really keep an eye on what you're thinking about and how it's affecting you throughout the day. When I say that this book saved my life, I am not kidding. I had no fucking skills at all whatsoever, and I learned all of my skills from this book. And then he has another book, but I would start with this one, Mastering, uh, Mastery of Your Anxiety and Panic. It's an amazing book. I recommend that you go get it or you try it if you have Kindles or whatever. See if somebody has it. Get a used one. Um, but this book helped me with my periodic panic um, and... I just don't have panic attacks like I used to. Every once in a while, I'll have a big one, but it will be triggered by something else. But, like, I'm not having the random ones out of nowhere. Like, I know what my triggers are now, which is another uh, stepping stone that you have to get to. Figure out what's causing you to feel that way. But this book, uh, author is David Barlow, Master uh, Mastery of Your Anxiety and Panic. I'm sorry, I can't say the name right. Mastery of Your Anxiety and Panic. It's a workbook. It's awesome. I recommend it to anyone that's dealing with periodic uh uh panic and anxiety sorry i was reading uh it's available on amazon.com good question andrew okay this one is from your own or Yaron. i'm sorry if i said your name wrong but um Please talk on off the cuff about lost love. I'm currently struggling with my depression, trying to get over my ex, and I would really love to hear your opinion about this subject. Just know that you already helped me so much because of what I went because of you. I went to get professional help. So thanks. That's amazing. You're on. Um, thank you for listening to me. I'm happy that you went and got some professional help. Uh, so here we go. Lost love. Um, as humans, we have a lot of things over uh, animals and other human, uh, other living beings, uh, and it's a blessing and a curse, right? So we have the ability to build all these amazing things, right? Build families, uh, build uh, technology, build schools, uh, set up communities set up uh you know all these things that have made us the dominant uh top of the food chain i guess is what it's called but a lot of that comes with some other shit and love and relationships are one of them uh as people know uh i was in a previous relationship until the one i'm in now um and that whole thing that whole situation was very tough you know, so in the terms of lost love and when someone, you know, either you leave or they leave, a part of you goes with that person in terms of, you know, that you hurt this person or they know that they hurt you. But what you have to realize when you are dealing in a situation with your ex and how painful it is, there's something beautiful about ha being able to have that emotion and also knowing that listen like wow I, I i'm capable of loving a lot of people in this world are not capable of loving other people they're just not which is crazy to me because i'm a fucking lover i love hard if i love you i love you fucking hard you know what i'm saying um so, again, to, to, to counteract what I'm saying, you know, in a situation where 
you feel like there's nothing out there for you or you feel like there's nothing left for you because you put all your time into one person or you put all your time into one relationship in these situations i feel like you need to find time to find yourself because the best version of yourself is going to be the best person to be with if you're all fucked up and shit you know over lost love it's you're never going to be able to move on from that you know um and listen we've all hurt people we've all been hurt by people you know, sadly, it's an endless cycle when it comes to relationships. But, you know, don't ever look at something as as wasted, you know, because if you got to know yourself, things about yourself while you had time with that person. Whether it be negative or positive. You have to take that, you know, that that's something that you have to understand that in all things in life, we can learn from all things in life. And like I said on the first episode, I've made so many mistakes, man. But the thing that I've always come out of it as is saying, you know what? You did something wrong or you did something right. This is the way that we should carry ourselves moving forward. Or this is the way that we need to address uh, some certain things in our lives. You know, uh, losing love is possibly the hardest thing that somebody can go through in the moment. In the moment. But also as humans, there's a resiliency that we have that our body somehow knows when the time has come for us to get over certain things or move on with certain things. Um... You know, and you have to do what you think is best for you. So, you know, I can't say that that this person that that left, you know, didn't do maybe what she thought or he thought was the best possible thing for them in that moment. In that regard, you have to give them their space. And in that regard, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know what, they just weren't in the right position in their life to either be the best person to you or be the best person to themselves. Because even if you're in a relationship, you might get in your next relationship and leave that person because it's not helping you be the best person that you're, you are a relationship is a team. You have to big up the other person. You have to be able to support the other person at their highest and their lowest. And you also have to be compatible with that person to the point that we can make this work. You know, I don't know what age you are, but for life. You know what I mean? There's a lot that goes into that. You know, that's a hard question to answer uh, about lost love. But people have to understand that it's more the person's decision about their own happiness than it is your happiness. Um, and at times you need to know when to be selfish in life and it hurts a lot of people. And I'm sure that's what you're feeling now, but you have to understand that there's so many people in this world. I know they say there's so many fish in the sea and it's cliche as shit, but it's true, man. It really is. Would you want to marry or be with somebody that, you know, shit is fucked up already and go through that for the rest of your life? Or do you want to give yourself the best chance to be the happiest person that you could be? It's a tough question. But it's the reality of life. You know? There's reasons why people have had multiple girlfriends and multiple boyfriends or multiple whatever. You know what I mean? It's about learning. It's about learning. And in this time, instead of worrying about what they're doing... If they called it off, worry about yourself. And then you'll be able to love twice as hard. Homie. All right. Bars. So many bars for you. Wait, what was this guy's name? I forgot. I was going to say thank you for the question. Uh, I lost it, but I love you. Um, This one is from Lucas. Okay. How long is this episode? Oh, all right. We're cool. 
This one is from Lucas. He's from Brazil. Okay. He says, I'm on a walk of life where I have no money and basically nothing to do. From Brazil where Corona is strong, arming the whole country. One is one that is not full of opportunities or has very good quality of life in the first place. I've been looking for a job for six months, so I'm exhausted. Also, I've just have an equivalent of high school degree education the entire year. I find myself with no energy and nodding off on watching videos and playing video games. At times, really forsaken, depressed, and desperate because I really don't know when all of this is going to get better, although I try to keep faith. I live with my mom, so I'm straight on food, but only that. Have you ever been in that scenario or similar? If so, what are some useful ideas you use to cope? Uh, okay, so a lot of people don't know this, um, but when I was in my earlyish 20s, uh, my parents' apartment building burned down, right? And they had to renovate the whole thing and, like, bring it up to speed and uh, kind of, you know, rebuild the entire fucking building. So, you know, what I thought was, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to be able to um, move back in with my parents and, like, everything's going to be all right, you know? Uh, and it got to down to, you know, time to move back in. And my parents were like, dude, you're not coming back in here. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, my God, like, my parents have forsaken me. You know, they were just like, they're just like, they're done with me. You know, I had that sense of being like, wow, like, these people that are, that are supposed to love me more than anybody else on the earth have told me that I can't come here. Um. And that was a hard time for me and my parents. Me and my parents didn't talk for a long time. Like, they moved back in to their apartment, and I didn't help them move. Because that's how fucking bitter, bitters I was. I was very bitters. Um, so, I was homeless. You know? Uh, not sleeping on the street. But, you know, I was couch surfing, floor surfing. And then uh, my best friend Max and his family, they took me in. Um, and when they took me in, uh, I was able to, you know, have a roof over my head that was consistent. I lived there for about two years. Shout out Gary, shout out Joan, shout out Olivia was popping. Shout out Max. That's my dog. Um, but yeah, they took me in. They realized that I was in a tough situation and, uh, they care for me that those people are like my second parents, like my second, that's my second family. Um, and just, I remember even during that time, I had the shittiest jobs, man. I was walking two miles to work there and then two miles to, for, to from work home in the winter. Super cold. I couldn't afford money for a bus. Uh, I was broke as shit. Um, fuck. That was a crazy time for me. Um, and I had the thoughts of like, yo, I'm never going to get out of this. But I did, man. I did. I did. Um, and the the ways that I coped with it were not the right ones. I was partying, thinking like, you know, something else will happen. I'll get lucky with this. Listen, dude, I've had lucky breaks my whole life. I, people say like, oh, like, I'm lucky. I'm fucking lucky, bro. I'm one of the luckiest people on earth. Um. When it comes to terms of opportunities and terms of, you know, being able to move on to the next or being able to pick myself up on my bootstraps. You know what I mean? I, I got a lot of that from my my older brother, Jared. I've seen him go through a lot of hard stuff from when he was 16, raising a child, having to work. You know, he went to work and never complained about it. Um, you know, I like to go to work and complain about it. That's the only difference. But, uh, you know. I've been in those situations where I've had zero dollars, negative money in my bank account in my 20s. All my friends were in schools. All my friends had jobs. All my friends were, were chilling and I couldn't go out because I didn't have dough. Like I've been there. But you have to make the steps to get yourself out of those things. So like for me, Vine, uh, luckily enough, I was big enough on there. I dropped that let me suck your titty shit and my shit blew up. And I was able to just get myself and network myself into different situations. Now, I can't tell people 
that's what you need to do in life. Get on an app and hope that for the best. But what you can do is find what you love to do, stay your ass home, eat food, live with your mom, and, and work as hard as you can to support yourself, whether it's through something you love to do or you have to do something to make ends meet. I know it's easier said than done, but you find something to put a little money in your pocket, save your money, which is something I should have did. Trust me. I should have saved a lot more money until <clears throat> I got older and start saving money. Uh, save your money and take this time to find out what it is you, what you love to do. <coughs> I don't have Corona. Uh, find out what it is you love to do. Invest time in that because that will help you mentally more than doing a job for a little bit amount of money or doing something that you love every day and trying to get better at that. That's my advice to try and get out of that. And yes, I have been in situations where I've pretty much been homeless. <clears throat> anyway, let's go to the next one. That was a tough time for me. So I know where you're coming from, bud. <clears throat> All right. This person would like to remain anonymous. Uh, what is your advice for someone like me who is passionate about helping others, especially empowering people to live to their uh, live up to their full potential? But I feel like I can't because I'm not living up to my own full potential because of my anxiety, public speaking meetings. Uh, it's so easy for me to encourage everyone else, but I can't do it for myself. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, here's a tip. Don't do it anymore. Um. I think a lot of times we get in situations where we give positive reinforcement to everybody else but ourselves. Uh, you can't expect everybody to be like you. You know? Not everyone's going to be as good as you in terms of being like, yo, like, you're going to get this and you're going to get that and we're going to be straight and you're going to be fine. Like, you got this, you got your family, you got all that. That's a conversation you need to be having with yourself. Because a lot of times people aren't going to give you the proper uh, feedback in terms of being like, hey, you know what? You too. Because as a society, we are selfish. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. You have to be selfish it's at times in this world. You just have to be. Um, and, and that's a shitty part of it. it. sucks. But, you know, you have to understand that the time that you spend putting in other people, if they're not going to reciprocate... Get them out of there now. Start asking yourself and answering your own questions about where you want to go in your life and why you're not as happy as so-and-so and why you're going out of your way to make them happy. Is being a good friend a good quality? Fuck yeah, it is. But being a good friend to yourself is a better fucking quality. And trust me, people will feed off that shit. So instead of you giving people answers, they'll come for you for answers. Put that energy inward. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to do one more. Um, and let's see. Uh, <clears throat> did I just do, did I just do a female or did I do a male? Giggity. Uh, I think I did. I think I did a male. I think I did. I think I did a man. I think I did it. Um, okay. This is another one. Very relatable. Last one. Okay. This one is from Kate. Hi, Danny. Loving the podcast so far. Question I have for your Q&A. Have you ever dealt with panic, uh, with a panic attack while driving? And what did you do? This has happened to me, sadly, way too many times to count. And many times I can't pull over. And that makes me feel trapped. Equals panic even more. Just wondering if you have any tips in moments like these. Okay. I've had this feeling many, many times as just an overly anxious person. Uh, I get lightheaded while driving. Um, okay, so there's this thing in cognitive behavioral therapy, right, where you feel like you're going to lose control because you're driving the car. <clears throat> you're driving the car, and this feeling of anxiety and panic washes over your body. That shit washes over you, dude. Washes over you, brother. Um and you feel like you can't do anything to control the situation. So since you're having a hard time driving, right, 
you pull over and you're like, oh man, like I panicked. Uh, you have to understand, like, you didn't lose control and pull over. You were in control the whole time. You pulled over consciously uh, and got a necessary rest that you needed to do. Now, in the times that you didn't pull over and kept driving, it's pretty much black and white. Did you pass out? No. Did you die? No. You have to understand in anxiety, uh, and this is what of this book, Mastery of Your Anxiety and Panic, has to deal with. The percentages of you without pre-existing medical conditions, the, the percentage of you passing out while driving is minuscule. It is so small. You have a better chance of falling asleep at the wheel than passing out at the wheel. Um, in all of those situations, you did not die. So these are things you have to understand when you go through it again to say, hey, listen, this has happened to me like four or five times, and I've pretty much have been fine. Uh, I got through it. I drove through it. I was able to get through it. And then sometimes if you're feeling anxious and you're afraid to drive and you pull over, you didn't lose to anxiety. You, you didn't lose control. You controlled yourself to get yourself in a little more of a safe space and to get yourself in a little better mood to drive. Driving a vehicle is dangerous, you know? So if the smarter thing for you is to pull over, handle that. And then when you pull over, do some breathing, do some things to help you understand, get in contact with yourself and your body, okay? Sorry, Mitchie. Get in self with yourself. Get in self with yourself. Get in contact with yourself. Get to the root of the issue. Get yourself feeling better. And then get yourself back on the road. Uh, but just know, if you play the numbers games when it comes to anxiety and panic... Very, very little percentage of people pass out from anxiety and panic. And that's usually from like hyperventilating and stuff like that. Um, and also, very little people die from panic attacks. I don't, I don't even, I, the percentage has to be so low. So these are teaching moments again that I go back to is that you have to put yourself in the position to understand what's going on with your body and play the numbers game. Sometimes you really do. Um, you know, whether it's, you feel like you're having a heart attack, odds are you aren't. Uh, if you feel like you're having a stroke, odds are you aren't, uh, you feel like you're going to pass out. Odds are you aren't because a lot of the times with my, and I'm just speaking from my experience. I've had experiences where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to fucking pass out. And it gets there uh, and I'm still there. I don't lose consciousness at all. So this is stuff that I've taken with me and I've written down being like, yo, I felt this to the highest degree and I was straight. Like it sucked during, but it was straight. Um, but yeah, that would be my advice on that. Play the numbers game. Realize that you've been there before. You can get through that. You've done it multiple times. Does it suck? Yes. But use some coping mechanisms that you could find whatever works for you. And if it's breathing, counting, uh, grounding, there's a lot of things that you need to try. Um, putting something on uh, your, your ox that's going to calm your mind while you're driving. Uh, you know, there's other ways to do it, you know, and, but if you do feel that it's not safe for you to drive, always pull over. It's the safest thing to do. Um, hey, so listen, we just nailed our, uh, our first Q&A. Thank you so much for everyone that put in the questions. There's so fucking many questions. Um, and I wish I can get to them all, but this episode will probably be five hours long. Uh, you know, nowadays the human uh, brain is like less than a goldfish. Is that true? How do, how do we know a goldfish memory sucks? It was like, did somebody ask a goldfish one day? It's like, hey, you remember my name? He was like, nah. How the fuck do we know shit like that? Uh, anyway, but yes, thank you so much for all your questions. Uh, this is going to be a weekly format on our Patreon. So I've decided to launch a Patreon for this show, patreon.com slash OTC pod um, to set up Zoom calls 
with you guys. I really want to get to know you guys, put a voice to your faces, um, have meetings, um, put myself in situations where I could be more accessible to you guys. And, uh, you know, listen, shows are expensive to do. Uh, if, if I want to get this to the level that I can get it to, you know, that's why the money from the Patreon goes directly into the show. Um, and the company that I'm working with. So, you know, anything that you guys give on the Patreon, just know that it's going to the right places of building our community and, uh, getting us off the ground in terms of, you know, better equipment, uh, you know, being able to have more guests on the show, uh, better technology, you know, all that fucking mumbo jumbo shit, you know, but I want to give you guys the best Patreon experience that you guys can have. So also weekly Q and A's and, uh, at some point daily Q and A's as well, where I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes a day uploading on there. But, uh, there's three tiers. Uh, there's a $5, a $10 and a $20. The $5 tier is, uh, you know, that's the homie. You get access to, uh, the zoom, uh, hangouts, $10, you know, you get, uh, an opportunity to get your, uh, questions answered on the Q and a show and $20 is a producer credit. You get your name listed in the description of the show and you get <clears throat> a one in one merchandise package. So you get merch sent to you, you get a merch box from one in one life. Um, also, you get to enter your chance to be a guest on the show and have an hour-long conversation with moi. So if you want to check that out, go to patreon.com slash O-T-C-P-O-D, okay, and uh, sign up. We're going to be doing some awesome stuff on there. Listen, my name is Danny, and your brain game is fire, all right? And listen, for all your health and wellness needs, make sure to go to oneonelife.com. Check it out. They're launching some awesome supplements on there uh some merch uh they're doing great stuff over there shout out Corey, shout out drew shout out everybody over there and listen okay i love the shit out of you and that's all that matters peace